another episode Behind the Vinyl with Darren and Nicholas. Yo, Darren, what's up, man? Hey, hey guys. Man. Hey, hey. Sorry, I'm a couple of late, man, but you know, look at me. <laughs> you're, looking, you're looking great. You look yeah, great. At the COVID beard and everything, you know what I mean? Yeah, I have That's that perfect. all the, I have that to keep the girls away. So yeah, it works. It works. It works great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to hear that, man. I know. So am I. <laughs> yeah, man. What's going on, Jack? Hey, um, I, I just got to say, we uh, we talked about it the other day, Nick and I. We love that video, the morning video, when uh, when you go out and wake your neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> well, this motherfucker with the leaf three leaf blowers that are like 120 dB at 7 o'clock in the morning, man. I live <laughs> in the Hollywood Hills, and the houses are closer together. You know what I mean? I live in a little cul-de-sac. You know, I have a nice little pad in the hills, man. I don't live like a fucking crazy billionaire. I don't have that kind of, you know. I've yeah. been divorced yeah. twice, you know what I mean? But I got a nice <laughs> pad. I got a nice pad and a beautiful girlfriend. I live a beautiful, simple life, and I'm really good with it all. It's really, I, unfortunately, I save money, so this year has, has been brutal, but it's not broke me, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's and good. With, and with the success of Africa that we haven't been paid on yet, three billion streams of our records, particularly that one, but all of our records. And, you know, the album just went, I mean, the single just went six million in the United States alone, which is, wow, maybe just a handful of people. And 4.5 million of that has not been paid. So in the next wow. couple of years, we're going to have a little windfall to get us through this ridiculously bummer time until I can go back yeah. on legit living. Yeah, you know, yeah. I saved wow. for for a dark time like this. I didn't know how dark and for how long. You know what I mean? This yeah. has been the craziest crazy. year of everybody's life. There's no way to yep. explain. It. And living in America makes it even worse because of the obvious. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've turned off the TV. I don't watch it. I don't watch the news. I read the headline news when I wake up in the morning and I check my email. Other than that, I'm like, I just like it's like I can't look at this and listen to this shit anymore. It's 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 soul sucking. It's it sucks the life out of you. You know what I mean? Where's the crazy? Where, where's, where's everybody coming together? Not like this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. and then illness on to the virus on top of all that is like pouring gasoline onto a dumpster fire. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. we're just yep. half of our, over half of our country's going, <laughs> well, the other half is going, it's like, and it's, it, we're just going, what the fuck? You know? Yeah. So, it's I mean, crazy. that's, and I'm hiding in my house since March. You know, I made my record in February right before. So, unfortunately, when I was doing this live shit, nobody was sick yet. Dude. And now, now we get these fucking alarms where the phone comes off, like, makes an alarm going, don't leave your house. COVID's outside. It's like they're making it like the worst scary shit. You know, what about my kids who fucking have to deal with this? And what's that, daddy? Oh, nothing. Yeah. Don't worry about it. You know what I mean? We're all going to die, but I'm not going to tell you that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's hard, you know what I mean? Because I got two little kids and two grown kids. The grown kids are fine. They got their own. Yeah, life. yeah. My son's got just got engaged to Jonathan Kane's daughter from Journey. Whoa, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Congratulations to him. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, yeah. like, and she's not the you know the crazy woman. That's not her mom. It's the other. <laughs> I mean, we all laugh at that and go, oh wow. No offense to Jonathan or anything. I mean, that's what he wants to live. That's cool. I mean, Jonathan and I are friends yeah. since I was a teenager. I love him. I respect him. But some of that stuff, you just got to go, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. You know, so, I mean, that's all I'm going to say about that because we're relatives now. Yeah. But um, right. we're going to be. I mean, how's that for fucked up? I mean, the you know, you can imagine all these hipster critics going like, they'd lose their mind. You mean there's going to be a total journey, baby? No! I can just see John Winner's head at Rolling Stone explode and take a fucking box cutter and cut his throat. You know what I mean? So for that, I laugh. But she's a wonderful girl, and I love Jonathan. I'm a huge fan of Journey. You know, those guys are my friends. You know what I mean? I respect the fuck out of them. But there's an, cool. irony, there's an irony to this that you just can't deny. Well, it's good you yeah. can laugh at it, too, you know? Oh, fuck it, yeah. yeah. I mean, Jonathan were laughing. <laughs> we both yeah. been hated by the press since day one. You know what I mean? But then now the combination of the two has got to be like, no, what if it's a musician? No. You know, <laughs> I just, I try crack up with my kids and Maddie about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I feel like, you know, you got to uh, get ready to be a meme. That's all I said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they put me and Jonathan against a good thing I have a sense of humor about it because when this gets out, 
it's good. You know, the, the amount of shit that people are going to give us is, is, is hilarious. You got to be better have a set of humor, dude. <laughs> I made this record with the intention of taking my early 70s influences and writing a record like that and performing it live in the studio, doing a song a day. I overdubbed the lead vocal after it. So everything was done in a day except mixing. And then we went on to the next song. I put together a great band, no rehearsals, no click tracks. All the solos are live. I overdubbed the vocals and Joseph Williams took home, put some backgrounds on a few things. Otherwise, everything you hear is recorded live in the studio, give or take an overdubbed, doubled guitar riff or something like that, which, uh, you know, I didn't overproduce this shit. You know, I just wanted it to be real. I wanted to see if I could do it old school without a net. You know what I mean? Let's see if I, you know, if I got the chops to pull that off because I was in a bus accident and fucked up both both rotator cuffs. So I've had to adjust my playing. Right. I don't have... Speed Demon Chops, like, you know, Picking Wiz. I mean, so I used a little more legato on this record. And I I just tried to not, I'm not playing guitar to impress my guitar player friends or all the kids out there when there's a seven-year-old kid in, J- in Japan that's the fastest guitar player in the world. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a point, it's, it's a self-dick-sucking contest. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm too old. To, I'm not competing with anybody anymore. So having that lifted from me, all that pressure of, well, I better impress so-and-so and so-and-so. What if the guitar magazine pick on me or whatever i'm so over that shit that it's like i am what i am if you like it great if you don't change the channel man there's a lot to listen to right right are you, are you still loving the instrument yes I, I just practiced for 45 minutes this morning not wow. to be, not to be better not to be faster but just to keep my hands in it and i gotta do a little live stream thing this weekend as a charity event for the baked potato the famous jazz club in l.a that's going to go under if we don't help. So Mike Landau, me, Steve Gadd, and all these guys, Joe Bonamassan, we're going down and doing, you know, a little jam for whoever wants to pitch in and, and pay. And we give all the money to the club so they can stay open because there's not any places we can go jam and young people can be, 
network and get a chance to be heard and sit in with somebody and be discovered or whatever. And that's what happened to me. Yeah. I mean, for yeah. much, my, my, when I started playing the baked potato, my reputation changed from just being the total guy, session guy to like, wow, this guy can, he's got something else to offer, you know, cause I was playing with these great musicians like Greg Matheson teaching me how to, you know, uh, tutoring me through like, God, you don't blow your wad, build your solos. Well, you know, take your time. You got all night. In other words, I don't have to squeeze yep. into eight bars. I can really, I learned how to improvise better by playing at this club every week in front of all these people playing with these amazing musicians. So it's got a soft spot for me. So it's, I used to go there and see Rittenauer and Carlton play when I was young for young people to be able to see guys like us who are studio guys, or they want to see us in person up close, not being on a big stage where like, you know, there's no dressing room to hide in. So the people have the hundred people that get in to this little teeny club have access to, you know, I can, make jokes nobody's allowed to film it so i can you know so nobody you know we can stretch out and make mistakes and fuck up and i can say weird shit over the microphone without the internet police coming after me you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> For these for these young these young high level musos, we got places like that closing down. Uh, there's no more real studio work like there used to be. You know, it must be it must be tough, man. Like now they used to say the odds, you know, making music business when I was a kid. My father at the time goes, well, you know, you got a billion and one chance of making it, kid. And I was nine years old at the time when I I said, well, I'll be that guy, Dad. He patted <laughs> me on the head and he goes, oh, that's fucking. I hope you do, but what if? What if you don't? Better have something yeah. else. I go, there's no way it's not going to happen, Dad. Because you have to have that <laughs> that drive and that, yeah. like, I'm not going to fail. It's impossible for me to fail. 
Yeah. I'm just going to study and I'm going to do this job. And I got to figure out what it was in high school when I met the Picaro family and realized what yeah. Jeff really did. And then I met Paige and I go, wow, I want to do what those guys do. They get to play with Stealing Dan and fucking all of our fucking favorite artists. I mean, these, Jeff knows all these people, you know, I want to do that. Because they, and my father accepted that. My, my parents accepted that as a more viable possibility of me actually being able to do because you know the odds of being a rock star is a needle in a haystack you know what i mean yep. Yep. uh you know i mean so i mean the fact that i've been able to have a 45 year career like i've had and, and these internet kids pick on me because oh he's wearing a wig or shit i'm not wearing a fucking wig dude you know <laughs> uh, uh, it's like if that, i mean i'm sorry i got a lot of hair at 63 years old you know what i mean i mean you know yeah, I don't make it look like this. I just got out of bed for fuck's sake. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, like anything they can say about me. Oh, he's drunk. I lost three teeth in my mouth in the back because because the crown fell out and they got cavities. So they had to yank them. So three of my teeth. When I talk sometimes, when I say an R and L, it sounds like I'm drunk and I haven't had a drink in eleven years. But they go, ah, he's drinking. Right. He's doing this. He's fucked up against the guys. Can you get a fucking life? <laughs> you know what I mean? You've been picking on True. me for 45 fucking years. Get a fucking life. Yep. You don't like yeah. it? Fine. Change the channel. It's like yep. porno. I don't make, there's no reason to get rid of porn because people are going to watch it, want to watch it. And if you don't, yep. put a lock on it so your kids can't see it and you don't look at it. Yep. It doesn't mean it shouldn't exist or, you know. It, you know, it, it's you know, it's not something you want your kids to see, perhaps. But I mean, when they're going to get older, they're going to see it anyway. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, I used to have Playboy magazines. That was my fucking internet forum when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Crazy man! Everybody makes up these ridiculous yep. rules, like they're supposed to stand for everybody forever. It's just not ridiculous. No, not it is. After all the jets are in the boxes and the clowns. All gone to bed. You can hear happiness staggering on down the street. Footprints dressed in red. And the wind whispers very. A broom is drearily. Of the broken pieces of yesterday's life Somewhere a queen is weeping Somewhere a king has no wife And the wind, it cries very
we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Jimi Hendrix. Um, That's right. First up, are you I was this morning. I was so, and all I did was listen. It's funny. I just did a, a congratulatory <laughs> note to Eddie Kramer uh, about an award he was getting in Holland. You know, and Eddie was Jimmy's engineer, and he's a friend of mine. Yeah. Right. I worked with Eddie Kramer a few times, and we have a relationship. And he would send me outtakes from Jimmy's sessions and stuff like this before there was the internet to pass this shit around on. I have cassettes with like Jimmy talking in the studio, like before a take and laughing and shit. He shared with me some special stuff that I cherish. You know what I mean? And the fact that I even know somebody that was involved in Jimmy's life is astounding to me. I got to meet Mitch Mitchell sat in with us once many years ago and came to one of our shows and he played drums and on hold the line or something like that. Well, Jeff was standing back there because that was one of Jeff's all time heroes, Mitch Mitchell. You know what I mean? And his love for Jimmy was as much as mine. And, and he's the drummer. So we got pictures of Hendrix and see when I was having a tough time doing a solo, I just didn't feel inspired. Jeff would just have a cigarette in his mouth. And he just, he'd go like this. He'd go, look at, and there'd be a picture of Hendrix on the wall. And that was like, that was to tell me, stop playing fast for your fucking guitar player friends, play something meaningful. And that's why I did solo without your love on Fahrenheit and shit like that. He pointed at Jimmy and I said, Oh, I get it. And I went, well, I didn't copy Jimmy licks, but in the style of, and because I so adore the music. I mean, when are you experience came out, I was like, just not even 10 years old. And it was like space aliens landed in my backyard. And I listened to purple haze this morning. I dropped, I dropped my, I dropped them, you know, I was sitting in my office. I go, let me listen to the fucking Are You Experience. When was the last time I listened to that all the way? Fuck me, it still sounds every bit as good as it ever did. Yeah. Remasters, you can hear the bass and the kick drum better. And you just realize the little echoes and the little things that you can detail work that you couldn't really notice when I was, I didn't even know what that shit was. I was just like, how? How? Were you, you know playing I mean? by then? Like, how does he do that? How do you make this? That, you know, like by today's standard, anybody that says, oh, Hendrix, overrated bullshit. Oh, the Beatles, oh, man, what's the big deal? You had to be there in real time to realize what a big deal it was. Yeah. There was nothing. that, And to this day, yeah. it sounds every bit as good. Yeah. yeah. I think the, the, the only person that kind of comes close is, and, and we've had a lot of interviews, like we talked with uh, Joe Saturani a couple of weeks oh, ago. Oh, Satch, man, my brother. God bless him, man. But, but only really... Eddie Van Halen is the only one that basically stopped anyone, everyone in their tracks, you know? And, yeah, but and, that's not hundred percent true. Cause Eddie Van Halen was one of my closest friends and like, he had a great deal of respect for Hendrix. He just, the first thing that hit him was Clapton. Right. Yeah. You know, right. No, no guitar player could ignore Jimi Hendrix. So don't, don't pin that on Ed, man. Cause that's, you know, it was, it was no, no, no. I'm saying the only- comment that he made off the top of his head, you know, drunk probably. And, you know, it follows you around like herpes. Every time it comes up, people are like, oh, yeah, remember when you said Daddy didn't like Hendrix? That's not true. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying the only one that's changed the guitar since. Oh, oh okay. I misunderstood. And I agree with you then. Yeah. A thousand percent. I can't think of anyone that has, has changed. You know, you've had other people come. You've had you've had Satriani's or Vise or even Tom Morello's. But Tom's, they Tom's haven't. Brought, Tom brought a whole new thing to it. He's a friend. I just adore him and love the way what he does. What an interesting way to approach the guitar when every note's already been played. Like, you know, like I said, there's seven-year-old kids that can go like this now. I mean, what's, what's the point? Trying to make videos suck on my own dick and put it on fucking YouTube? I mean, forget about it, you know? Yeah. There's no way to compete in that fastest gun in the West shit now. But Jimmy didn't play fast, per se. I mean, he did by the time. At the time, he was doing astoundingly wild techniques for the era. But yeah. Jimmy's music was soul music with fucking psychedelia mixed in. Yeah. His rhythm yeah. guitar playing and, his, and, and look at the Wind Cries Mary. I mean, those voicings had never been heard by anybody. The way he played rhythm and his flourishes. I mean, wow. He wasn't just the lead player that was like shredding. He was the whole package and the lyrics and the whole psychedelia and how he hit everybody. How that hit me when I heard it. I mean, and it's still... 45, 50 fucking years later, whatever it is, I stagger to think, you know, when it's 50 some odd years old now. Um, and that it's still just like Sergeant Pepper's still the greatest fucking album made from Todd. I just listened to it the other day and I cried. And then I got a FaceTime from Ringo. 
How fucking weird is that? <laughs> and I told him, I said, dude, and it's the only time I get all beatly on him because we're friends for nine years and he does, I mean, he loves it and he talks about it sometimes, but you know, it's not something he wants to talk about 24 seven. You know what I mean? He goes, right. It was, it was eight years of me fucking life. The best ones, but you know, <laughs> you know, it's like, it was, he's lived a lot of life, but that's, you know, he, he also realized this, the significance, but he's not an egotistical man. He's very humble. And yeah. still, you know, no Ringo, no any rock drummer. So anybody that says Ringo, no, got it. How many drummers can you just play the drum part and know what song it is? Yep. No click tracks, no bullshit. They played that shit live. I've heard, yeah. um, you know, some basic tracks where I thought there was a lot of overdubs when it wasn't. Yeah. Right. Overdub and, and add orchestras and shit, but like a lot of that shit, that you hear those guitar parts and shit, they were all done live, man. Yeah. And I was like the, the new Get Back movie that's going to come out. I mean, I was able to see some of that. Ringo took me to a private screening with him. So I've been watching like outtakes of, I mean, there's like 60 hours of Let It Be that didn't get, that paints a different picture. That doesn't, it shows joy in the studio and laughter and camaraderie and Yoko and Linda laughing in a room with everybody and shit like that. It wasn't all what the press made it out to be. Everybody hates everybody, everybody's suing everybody. Those guys, when they started playing music, they forgot all that bullshit and they played like they did at the Cavern Club. You know, and that was the thing about Ringo would tell me, well, we were a great band. You know, and he goes, we really were. We worked hard and we know this five sets a night in Germany paid off. You know what I mean? Nowadays, kids get a fucking laptop with GarageBand and they, and a Melodon <laughs> and they can make records. Yeah. You know, I, I was 14 years before I ever got in a recording studio. I've been playing, you know what I mean? Wow. Now yeah. everybody can make a palm, nice CD that looks like it should be selling 10 million records and you listen to it and you go, dude, you got a long way to go before you should start putting records out. You're not ready yet. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody thinks, oh, my little Johnny's a fucking rock star because he made a little homemade CD and he's going to be rich and famous. Well, no. I mean, I mean, I mean you, it's hard enough after they spend $5 million getting you on the radio if they believe in you to, to sustain a career. Anyway, I mean, you can, you can get lucky and have a hit record. Yeah. And a lot of people have that one hit record. What do you do with the rest of it? It's like being a ball player who has one great season, then gets injured. What yeah, the fuck yeah. do you do with the rest of your life? You know what I mean? Yeah. You can, can have, you have a lot of money, but generally they'll spend it in five minutes and be broke. You know what I mean? I could caress, caress, caress 
do, do you ever sit back and just just get blown away by your you know your catalog? You know, just like you know. In this, let me let me be honest with you. In this year off, I've had a moment to reflect, and plus being my age and plus losing some of my best friends. Time people are dying. I've lost three of my best friends in the last few years. Eddie being the last one that really went, wow. Yeah. The wagons are circling. At any point, somebody, the doctor, you go, hey, man, we found something. Yeah. I'm at that age, but I'm not going to kid. When I was a kid, I was an idiot. I was crazy. I smoked, I drank, I did drugs, I did all kinds of shit that I probably shouldn't have done. But, hey, I was young and stupid and everybody else was doing it, so what the fuck? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I lived and learned, as did Ed, as did all my fucking guitar player buddies. We all, we all got sober at the same time without talking to each other. Slash, Zach, me, Neil, Sean, all the guys that used to be like, when they see us and we were all together, it was like, that's the scariest fucking table I'll ever see in my life. Because we were fucking drinking and hanging out and laughing and doing whatever. But we were young and crazy and living the rock and roll life. Okay, I did it. I don't need to yep. do it anymore. You know what I mean? I don't recommend the lifestyle to anybody. I certainly wouldn't. My own son, who's 33 years old, I mean, he's tried shit, but he's like, he didn't get fucked up like me. Right. So, no, thank God, son, because you can, you know, your career is just starting right now and you want to enjoy it and don't get fucked up and waste your money. And, you know, I, I'm able to be a father that can give him advice about what not to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? I said, you were a kid yeah. growing up, but let me tell you where I was really at when this was going on. And we'd laugh about it. But yeah, I thought that's what was going on. But I didn't know that, you know, <laughs> you know, we can have honest conversations about, you know. I mean, I was never, I mean, I, how much could I have done if I'm doing like 25 fucking sessions a week and being in a band? So, I mean, our, the legend of how coked out and shit we were supposed to be would be impossible to actually live and show up and get recalled to do six Quincy Jones records in a row and shit like that if I was fucked up and not bringing it. You know what I mean? Right. Did I do it after hours and shit? Fuck yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I did. But they I mean, you know, I was fucking 20 and 30 years old. What the fuck? You know, I was, I was a teenager when I started doing this shit. Hey, why is everybody in the bathroom? What's going on in there? <laughs> it started out very innocently. You know what I mean? It was, oh, wow, this is fun. And then it wasn't fun. Then it became dark and weird and fucked up. People died from it, lost everything. In the 70s, it was introduced to everybody like, oh, you can't get addicted to this. This is fine. It's like having a cup of coffee, but without the fucking, you know. So they lied to us. Yeah, <laughs> I fell for it. I was a vulnerable teenage kid, wanted to be like the big boys, and I'm playing with my heroes. I better do what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. It was a mistake that I wish I didn't make. Same with Jimmy. I mean, you know, everybody was experimenting with drugs, and they thought that that's what brought his music. But I'm, I was told that Jimmy wasn't fucked up in the studio. He took that shit real serious. Yeah. I mean, he may have had a buzz on or whatever, but I mean, he wasn't like blazing on acid every time he fucking did a track yeah. <clears throat> he knew what he wanted you know that's why he built his own studio so he could have control of what he wanted to do with eddie kramer to be there and be his muse going eddie i i'm hearing something i need this and eddie would go hmm i got it you know what i mean i'll figure out a way to do that for you jimmy so yeah. i didn't know jimmy hendrix I, i'd like to think that if he was alive still that i would have met him and we could have been friends like i am with you know Jeff Beck or somebody like that, who I've known for so many years and I got to work with and play with and shit, who's arguably one of my, one of the best ever as well. Yeah. yeah. The way that Jimmy respected and his love for Jimmy is well known. You yeah. Know, I got the chance to work with Clapton, same shit, you know?
Could you pick one song from Aria Experience that you feel stand out more than the others? Hard. Because every yeah. track is a fucking genius. But the weirdest one, and one that freaked everybody out, was Third Stone from the Sun. Right. Because that was like, we'd never heard, oh, you'll never hear surf music again, and the feedback and shit like that. And then was like, and it was a beautiful track. You know what I mean? It's just, it really is it an instrumental thing. You know, I mean, I I even cut a version of it once. It's somebody for a Hendrix tribute record. I did that one, you know, uh, because nobody does that one. But uh, yeah, I mean, that one really, that was the more than Purple Haze. Purple Haze was the one I went, that was the first single. And everyone went, wow. But Third Stone was an experiment in sounds in 1966 that no one had ever fucking heard before, man. There was no yeah. pedal that made you sound like that. It was like aliens created this fucking music. <laughs> Jimmy was otherworldly. Yeah. So that's what I got to say. Yeah. Well, there's, there's lots of great debut records out there, but damn, man, this fucking record is un- unbelievable. These songs well, it, still... It, it had the same impact for me as like when Meet the Beatles came out. When I saw the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show when I was seven years old and I looked at her, I, I wanted to be George Harrison so fucking bad. I go, I want to be that. When I, You know, I'm seven years old. I say that. I want to do that. You know, I was like, I was in, when I heard that. And then so Jimmy came along after that and the Stones and everything, we all loved all that shit, but the next thing that made me go, fuck, was Are You Experienced? Right, yeah, yeah, right. And I remember my, she did this, speaking of Third Stone from the Sun, I was playing that track in my room, and, and my dad opened up the door, and he's like, what the fuck? And, and, you know, and he's woo, 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 in the midsection and shit like that. He's looking, he picks up the album cover, and he looks at it, and sees Jimmy with the shit on, his black... And the then the, the bird the, the lens that they use, the fish eye lens, like are you experienced the eyeballs? He just went, Really? Wow. <laughs> Chuck the album on there. He just goes, I don't understand you kids, you know what I mean? Whatever. I go, Dad, this is so great. Blah blah blah. He's like, Hey man, okay. <laughs> you know? But this was at a time when parents didn't know about rock and roll. It was new. So people that were cutting edge freaked people out. Yeah. How do you scare anybody anymore? I mean, at what point do you do? Do you, do you, do you go on TV and like do a real snuff movie or something like that? I mean, uh, right. What's going to really blow your mind anymore? You become you an go, accountant. Fuck, how do they do that? I'm, I'm making records for 45 years. I know how to do everything when I hear I go, oh, I know how they did that. Yeah. Or I'll call up, I'll go, Andy Johns, God bless his soul. I used to call him, how did you get that fucking sound on Zeppelin 4? Blah, blah, blah. And you go, wow, well, mate. You know, and you start in on the stories, you know. <laughs> Exile on Main Street, what was happening? Oh my god, it was wild. Blah blah blah. And you get these insider stories, you know what I mean? It's like from people who were fucking in the room, you know what I mean? Pretty cool. I've had a pretty cool life. Oh yeah. yeah. Definitely. You, you sound so like you time to reflect on that in the year and go look at all I start thinking, going, wow man, I was I'd see a picture of me and Miles Davis or me and Wayne Short, I'm going like, I can't believe that I was there. Or me and me and Ringo, or Ringo brings me with my birthday cake. In my house, like in October, as a surprise. If you'd have told me that when I was 12 years old, I would have fucking punched you in the face and said, yeah, sure. I'll be the first <laughs> man on Venus, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> Ringo, Ringo brought, a, Ringo brought you a birthday cake. Yeah. Unbelievable. So cool. Yeah, my girlfriend set it up with him and Barbara. And, like, you know, he came over to the house and, you know, uh, and, and, like, that's a big deal in COVID world, especially for him. That he yeah. does that much to... You know, I mean, everybody was masked up and everybody being cool, but you know, the fact that he would do that meant the world to me, man. I mean, yeah, how many people can say that? You know what I mean? I mean, Jesus, and I, his friendship with me is real, it's deep and private, and um, something that I'm incredibly grateful for. Yeah. Uh-huh.
Is is there anyone out there that you, anyone still there that you really wish you could create with and play with that you haven't had the chance to yet? Peter Gabriel. I always loved fucking, uh, you know, the early Genesis and I love Phil's stuff. And we met, I met Peter, it was lovely. Those were really important artists to me that I never had a chance to work with. Wow. Um, but, but, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people I haven't had a chance, but but, but there's also been a whole fuckload of people that yeah. I have worked with. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've sat next to Elton John at a fucking session and go, play Levon for me. And all of a sudden he'd start doing it. Except not to play a little bit. He played the whole fucking song like he's doing it, like in front of 10,000 people and give it to me. And it's just me and him in a room. And it said when we were cutting tracks together in France in this late 70s, you know, and I was just, I just turned 21. Wow. So, I mean, I was like, you know, I've had moments like that. You know, I got a thousand moments. I mean, if you read my book, you can read some of the shit that's in there. But there's another book of shit that I could have told that I didn't have the time to tell the stories. You know what I mean? Right. But, you know, pe- people are sitting next to you so probably saying the same thing. You know, holy fuck, I sat next to Luke and he I played Hold the Line or he played Africa or he, t- he told me the story from, from you know. Well, from- I, I got a lot of great stories. I mean, that part's happened me sitting around. I don't know how many people are blown away sitting next to me. I mean, most of these guys are my friends and people that I learned with. You know, Michael Lando and I have known each other since we were 12 years old, and that's a guy that can give you some fucking Hendrix. Just talk to him. <laughs> he can fuck. If he was the guy that would pick the shit off the rest, and go, damn, fuck, you got that. Show me that, you know? You know, he's, you know, so, I mean, we grew up going like, you know, we taught each other and it was a healthy competition, but we're still best friends to this day. You know, yeah. he's one of the finest guitar players in the world to me. You know, right? Oh, real. But we've been friends since we were twelve. Yeah, and we did, we were in bands in high school together and junior high, and you know, we lived our whole lives together. I helped get him a little bit of things, but he would have got there anyway. I just right. got out the door first, you know. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Hey, let's let's go a few few other songs. Um, Manic Depression. Played it a million times, man. It's one of those things. The the combination of the drum groove, Mitch's drum, any other drummer would have it would have been a different song. But because of his jazz background and having those chops and the way, it, the combination of those three guys, Noel Redding, Redding, you know, I mean, you know, Jimmy played bass on a lot of the stuff. There's, that's a known fact, but Noel also brought a lot to the party. There was a little bit of magic there, you know, that, you know, Billy Cox is a motherfucker, but it was a different band, you know, Band of Gypsies was different than the experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. Complete different thing, you know. I remember when that came out, that was like, what the fuck? You know, where did that come from? You know what I mean? <laughs> Love it. Band of Gypsy is still a legendary album. Like, as a matter of fact, if you can see it behind me, there's somewhere you can see where it says Hendrix. Yeah, you know, whatever. Jimmy's right. still a big part of my heart. And so right. that blew my mind. And of course, you wanted to learn it. I mean, everything on that record was worthy of learning and studying and still is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Every song yeah. on the album is fucking, are you experienced? All this backwards shit and all, you know, the piano thing that, that he played. And that was all Jimmy playing that shit. Yeah. yeah. So it's mind-blowing. Just fucking mind-blowing. Then come on across to me. We'll hold hands and then we'll watch the sunrise from the bottom of the sea. But first, are you experienced? Or have you ever been experienced? Well, I am. I know, I know, you probably scream and cry that your little world won't let you go. But who in your measly little world are you trying to prove that you're made out of gold and uh, can't be sold? So, uh, are you experienced? Have you ever been experienced? Well, I have. Uh, let me prove it to you. 
appear in the distance I think they're calling our names Maybe now you can't hear them But you will <laughs> If you just take hold of my hand Oh, but are you experienced? Not necessarily stone, but beautiful. What one thing that blows my mind is um, he, he was 15 when he picked up when he first picked up the guitar. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, he was he was fifteen, which is which is late, generally speaking. To to yeah, the guy died at twenty seven years old. So in twelve years, he created such a legacy. It's, it's you know, some people like Ed and Jimmy and people like that are just touched by God, man, in a different yep. way. Yeah, you can't learn it. You come in with it. <clears throat> it's like why does a virtuoso, you know, why did Mozart write fucking symphonies at six years old? You know what I mean? Who could do that? Yep. You know what I mean? There are just some people that are touched by God a little, God threw a little bit of extra fairy dust on them. You know what I mean? <laughs> and they were just given a gift that they were given a gift and a mission to come down to the world and change the world. And that's what the Beatles and Hendrix and this, all the legends that we all know and love mm. brought to us. And that we still refer to when we make our own records. Oh, give me something a little more Jimmy like, or a little more Beatley or a little bit more, come on stones, come on, rock that shit up, man. It's too, it's too slick. Raw it up a little. We use those Hendrix and all these things as, as references when making our own records still to this day. Even though I'm not playing the copying the licks, there's a when somebody says that to you, your mind goes, click, I get it. Give me a Ringo Phil. Okay, I understand what that is. I, you know, you know what I'm saying? You guys are old enough to know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, there's still the litmus, litmus test. You know, there's still the standard, the gold standard to me. And this yeah. was shit done 50 fucking years ago, man. Yeah. 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 And one of my favorite tracks what's, is What's going to have that longevity now? No, no. Exactly. My question is, will that still happen? I'm sure in 20 years' know. time, they're probably still saying. I keep waiting for some young kick to come out. I mean, there's some brilliant fucking young guitarists. But what they don't have, they got all the chops in the world. You know what they don't have? Songs. Right. Jimmy Rose, a great songwriter. Give him some fucking credit there. Yeah, you know what I mean. That came from him, man. Yeah, that was you know, so that that was a vehicle for him to show the gift here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or his voice is like well, he didn't have a great voice, but he had a unique like Bob Dylan. Only yeah. Bob can sound like that. If I go, hey man, on my record, people laugh at me. Like, yeah. what are you trying to Dylan for? Or if I go purple haze or something like that, yeah. I'm not trying to do that. <laughs> okay to play the licks but don't try to sing like the motherfucker you know what i mean that's just insulting you know what i mean it's like i'm making fun of it you know what i'm not and i cherish it you know what i mean yeah 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 um let's pick one more song um red house i, I love still, it i still pull that out, man. you know i've done it and it's just a classic it's a classic blues man and jimmy what i loved about it is there's so many versions of the different tempos and different keys and different vibe you know and it's just a great blues song, man. And, you know, it's been done to death. I understand that by everybody. But, you know, when you hear that opening riff, you go, oh, something happened to your soul. You go, Red House, fuck yeah. <laughs> so whenever he goes, let's play some blues, I go, let's do Red House, because I know the lyrics to that one. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I mean, blues is the blues, but, you know, Jimmy had a different flair. And, and when you do it, a song like Jimmy, you can have a ten regular blues players would play their regular licks, but you can go wilder and stretch the limitations because that's what Jimmy did with it. I could never yeah. Hendrix in a million fucking lifetimes, but um, I can be inspired by the music and pay homage to him. And by, I throw a few licks in there that I know he would have done, but I did it my way. I don't sound like Jimmy Hendrix. Fuck, I wish I did, but yeah. we all of us guitar players. I'm sure Satch told you the same shit, you know? Yeah. I can't be the guy, but I can be inspired by him and, use it as the reference in my brain to go, oh, I know what kind of a sound you need and a strat comes out or a, or something that's weird or an effect. Like, oh, let me use the fucking Univibe on this or let me use the fucking Octavia on this or something, you know? Even though 
then that's the Jimi Hendrix reference or something like that. It's not like play exactly like Jimi Hendrix. It's like no. in the style of an homage, if you will. But, uh, you know, and, and, the, and the echoes and the reverberation of Jimi's influence is still there every day. People discover it. You know, these punk-ass kids, they're all shredders. They don't get it. No. They don't get the significance of it. You know, a few, you know, bad out-of-tune concerts, you know, or, you know, somebody dosed them with acid or something like that. It's not his fault, man, you know? If you're Jimi Hendrix, everybody wants to party with you, and everybody yeah. will stick something in your drink or give you yeah. pills or give you things that, you know, ultimately killed him, yeah. you know? So, uh, you know, I know about this because it's happened to me. Hey, man, right. do this. Do some of that. Come on. And if you're young and stupid, you'll try it. That's Jimmy was 27 when he passed, man. Yeah. I'm 63, so I can't imagine what he would have lived to do. Yeah. Right. What he would have done. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the awful part is he could have made smooth jazz records. You know what I mean? Who the fuck knows? You know what I mean? It could have gone the other way, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy goes smooth. You know what I mean? What a horrific thought. You know what I mean? <laughs> That Jimi Hendrix and that Eddie Pairing, you know, fucking amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, you know, Jimmy's, like I said, his influence is going to reverb for the rest of the eternity. Yeah. The reverberation from yep. Jimmy never ends. It's like the Beatles. It's never going to go away. No, no. I'll be True. listening to the fucking music in 100 years. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I certainly fucking hope so. If there's a planet here in fucking 100 years, and, uh, I mean, at this point, it could be 50 minutes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Luke, we got we got two minutes left, man, and then we got to uh, we got to hang up, dude. Thank you so much for your time, man. Fucking Thank thanks you. for yeah, music. What a what an interesting, fun interview, man. That's really fun. Thank you. I'm honored to be part. Thank you for asking. Cool. I mean, I do a million of these fucking things, and thank you. Someone just like, where'd you get the name Toad? I'm like, kill me now. <laughs> 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 this was fun. Thank you for making it. Dude, thank you. Memory. I'm glad you guys are as into it as we all were because you know I'm older. So uh bless you all and have Hell a wonderful yeah. Christmas, okay? You too, man. Thank you, you very too. much. You take care, care, man. Thank you for your Bye. time. Thank you for your time. Bye. Bye. Thank Peace. you. Shoot my lady. You know I caught a mess.